0: hey everyone welcome to the blue pill podcast i'm zach blue the host and uh i'm very sorry for that extended hiatus there uh i don't have a lot of excuses other than i got busy and uh not very motivated to sit down and do editing uh my sincerest apologies to rudy martinez and rex simmons i had a couple of conversations with them that we recorded and i have not gotten around to editing it i'm kind of changing the way i format the podcast so i can do a little less work at the end a little less editing trying to make it you know flow a little bit more naturally without having to, to cut out a whole bunch of stuff in the middle but again thank you Rudy and Rex for, for coming in and having those conversations they were very interesting and I look forward to releasing them soon enough um, on today's episode I, I got to have a, a very uh, interesting conversation with Joshua Simpson he has run for city council in San Marcus he's got a pack of dogs that follow him around Gun- Gunter and Odin uh, they, they visited the studio and uh, so if you hear anything from them or or you you probably will hear a little bit from them and uh yeah man I I don't even know how to explain my conversation with Joshua Simpson a little bit about how I met Josh I I found myself sitting at a bonfire I kind of explained lay this out at the beginning of the episode but uh, I found myself sitting next to him at a bonfire uh and just talking to him way too much uh we ended up conversating until like one o'clock in the morning um He's, he's, he's the kind of guy that seems like he's got a lot of things figured out and it's nice to pick his brain on those things but really I think it comes down to just my understanding of the world versus his understanding of the world he describes himself as a uh, fiscally conservative and socially libertarian so definitely for me it's it's good to get to kind of like meet him in the middle and debate some of these uh, topics we talked about so much stuff Getting out and voting, local politics, uh, tiny home villages, uh, what h- hard work, we had a little bit of Jordan Peterson talk in the middle, uh, climate change, uh, lots of pretty intense conversation, a lot of it's kind of cyclical. Uh, Josh has a tendency to tangent really hard, and I have a tendency to uh, feed that fire, so... <laughs> this this conversation was a lot of fun to have I really appreciate Josh coming in and sitting down with me, having the talk, bringing his boys and uh, yeah I hope you guys enjoy uh, Blue Pill Podcast so, <clears throat> my guest today uh, Mr. Josh Simpson probably will be the mayor of San Marcos at some point <laughs> maybe, we'll see. maybe, we'll see um yeah, uh just to give you a little background on how I met Josh. Uh, I met him through Adams and Bro's design. Uh, they, they invited the Ooey Gooey's to come play the crawfish boil. And uh, we didn't have a drummer, but we still made it happen. It was a very poor showing on our part, but uh, they were really nice to us and it was a really fun show to get to play. And the best part was afterwards, just watching everybody get drunk, really, really drunk. And uh, they had a bonfire. And I remember sitting around the bonfire and making way too much conversation with the guy sitting next to me. <laughs> and uh, getting, uh, you know, the name Blue Pill never had any kind of political thing to it. I, I In in this climate now, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, get Red Pilled, scrub or whatever. Like, I, it's that's not what I wanted it to be. It was just kind of like talking with, you know, artists and, and dreamers, people who, you know, if, re- if if Red Pill is waking up to reality, then the Blue Pill people are just like... Hopeful optimists is how I kind of how I kind of saw it, but I imagine today we might get a little political. Sure, maybe we'll see, man. Um,
1: no, I'm transparent, so I'm not not too worried about. It. Hey Gunther, you want to come over here?
0: There you go. Try to keep the microphone a little closer oh, to you whenever you're talking. Sure, sure. Um, but so I, I that that all to say, I was sitting around talking with Josh Simpson, and I became very interested in his life <laughs> and wha- what he was up to, I and I. Uh, He's uh, really into sustainable kind of living, growing your own food, mm-hmm. tiny home villages, mm-hmm. building tiny homes, and uh, all
1: of that affordable housing.
0: Affordable housing, yeah, man. And, and that really piqued my interest. And I'm sure I can't do an introduction justice. So why don't you give a little explanation about what you're into and what you're about?
1: Um, well, I'm a kind of a bootstrap type of person. Um, not much money to start up anything. I had to build the place that I'm staying in. Right. Actually, I'm in the process of moving out of that place. Thank the Lord. But I uh, got to do what I did the best that I could with what I had at the time. And uh, so, you know, woodworking, uh, taking down old barns, repurposing the wood, selling it raw material, or building furniture that way, farming, selling to restaurants. Right now, we got two farmer's markets every weekend. But uh, eventually, once the farm expands enough, I'll have an established rapport with a few restaurants, you know, two or three, ideally, which will allow me to have a foreseeable cash flow. And that's like a weekly thing. And then your woodworking is larger chunks farther apart. You know what I mean? And so that's a way where you can budget your life. And, And it's difficult because... You got to learn insurance. You got to pay taxes. I mean, you learn all that stuff pretty hard once you start a business because you're you're brand new and the rules are always changing. And uh, that's the biggest. And you know, just trying to do things on your own. I, don't, I guess an introduction is I'm a. I like to do things. Uh, I don't want to say my way, but just not specifically to a T. Like if you read directions, I don't know, that's not a good way to describe it. I guess I'm just a a uh, rugged individualist, I guess you could say.
0: A DIY kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, DIY, man. there you go. So, um, the, so immediately, I've got so many things I want to talk to you about. First off, let's talk about your crops. Let's mm-hmm. talk about what you've been growing, man. What's going on? They're
1: suffering right now with all this rain. Rain and the um, cold, huh? Well, the cold, the cold, not so much. There, there were a, I mean, because freezing temperatures aren't here yet, but the amount of rain that I've had or we've had... Um, the type of farming I do is I have uh, no-till wood chip farming, so I got really good soil under about four to six inches of wood chips, which is killer for you know May through September, and except this year September was like the wettest we've ever seen. So once you get rain and gray days, you don't have natural really evaporation, and then I already add four to six inches of wood chips on top of that. It just keeps that water in there, and it's a breeding ground for fungus. And those fungus attack the roots of the plants or it gets on, you'll have tomato fungal blight, um, which is a late season tomato disease because of big, a big part of it is the rain, but another part of it is proper pruning to keep airflow going through. If you have airflow to keep things dry, the fungus doesn't have anything to attach and inoculate to or colonize. So... Uh, right now, you know, okra is still going strong. Okra. okra yeah, is, man, I heard
0: your, your okra harvests have been huge. I was
1: sick of it. So I actually, <laughs> I ran through two beds with a huge husk barn, a lawnmower just to eradicate them. So I'm picking, picking a lot less okra now, but it's okay because I'm in a slower part of my farming season and I'm really focused on in the spring is when everything's going to really explode. So we got a lot of leafy greens right now. Um, kale, lettuce, spinach, romaine. Um, what else we got going on? I guess cucumbers are still doing okay. Bell peppers are fine. Like one thing that's been great is bell peppers have been producing since June and they're producing even more now, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, but again, I've had to deal with a lot of pet again the first season on that area, a lot of pest issues. Um, so tackling that in a responsible way is not easy. So Getting on top of learning the life cycles it smells like one of these guys farted. Uh, <laughs> uh, Josh brought his two dogs into the studio today. Smells like Gunther. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but getting you know knowing their life cycle, knowing which which bugs affect which plants. So for example, you got squash vine borers, which is it's a moth that lays eggs, and its larva will go inside your squash vines and begin devouring the plant from the inside out. So it'll it'll kill it from the inside out. But if you were to look at the plant with a naked eye, you'd go, that looks like a fungus to me. But in fact, you use a razor blade and do a little surgery on your fungus, you'll see grubs, gross little grubs that are just chewing up your little plants. And I found out this year, they don't just show up between late June and early August. They're from June on. So I've, I still have vine borers to this day. And it's just like, that you re- the only way you can mitigate that is by taking care of that in June.
0: So you said a responsible way of dealing with pests. What is the responsible way and what would an irresponsible way?
1: Using an an irresponsible way of dealing with pests is uh, hitting your plants with uh, a roundups type. Uh, Actually, I'm not even not even herbicides. I'm talking about specifically pesticides, hitting your plants, your flowering plants with pesticides that do affect your pollinators. That's an irresponsible way to grow your crops because you're just sabotaging yourself. Those pollinators are making your your entire garden or your farm more fruitful, more abundant. Um, because if plants don't have these carriers to transist to transmit their uh, their pollen and and to other plants, they depend on the wind. So if your winds blowing one direction, you know, you're banking on now. When you have big monocultures, that's you don't really have to worry about that as much. But still, you got to, uh, California almond farmers, they have to bring in bees from across the country to pollinate all these uh, almond trees because you can't just depend on the wind. And out there, I mean, they're using some pretty harsh chemicals, so you can't – they've killed off a lot of the natural bee populations. So it's a – and then again, I, it, I would do a little research into that because it that – when folks bring in bees from across the country, it puts a lot of stress on those hives, the transport and all that stuff. So it's a very high input. Of course, you know, you're getting high output as well from that area. Um, But in in terms of just the concept of keeping your pollinators healthy, you know, don't throw spinosad, even though it is an organic pesticide, don't throw your spinosad on your fruiting plants. You know, you can use spinosad on a leafing vegetative plant where the bees and butterflies are gonna stay miles away because they could care less. They want that sweet nectar. But if you hit your pesticides in that nectar, they ingest it. Spinosad is a bacterium that affects these these insects. And I'm not sure if it's a universal uh, infector, but it's similar to a BT where it targets specific insects. BT will target your your worms and things like that. Those are called biopesticides. Has no effect on humans. But... It affects your pollen. I'm talk, that's what I mean by responsible. So, it seems kind of counterintuitive
0: to bring bees from well, – to, to haul bees to
1: your – Well, the state. scale. The scale that we're talking about here, to put it in perspective, in California, they built a Nile River, essentially. They made the Nile River look like child's play. Um, they take the water from northern Ca- – that California Valley where they grow it, like Central California Valley is the most fertile place on planet earth and it's specifically because they've taken they've diverted water from northern California and taken it all the way down south now there's controversy and all that about the so water so
0: because of humans it's uh, the most fertile place on it was earth. a desert before
1: okay so Yes, because of humans. Now, there was a natural bee population around that area, not huge, but once you use all these harsher chemicals, and they're going for these uh, open buds, and those chemicals are on those buds, and they ingest those chemicals, I can't specifically say what the chemicals are doing to the bees, because I haven't, you know, I don't do the research, I just know specifically spinosad is an infectious bacterium, and it does harm the bees. So in terms of responsible, you know, farming, it's keeping a diverse crop or knowing, knowing your pests, knowing their life cycles and knowing when the times are where you can take care of the problem. And if you miss those times, you're going to have a whole season of, well, I either got to stop growing this crop, switch plots or, you know, have something on the back end in a greenhouse that's starting to plug, and then continuously monitor it. So you would use, uh, you would use hydrogen peroxide to take care of as a foliar spray to take care of their grub phase, their very soft phase. Uh, hydrogen peroxide is extremely like volatile to those, to larvae, I guess the word is. Yeah, the mm-hmm. insect larvae will get eradicated if you hit it with the peroxide. But the problem with peroxide is if it gets in your soil, it's going to kill your microbiome, your micro uh, your microbiome as well. So, you know, that's I don't even know if that's organic. I don't think that's organic, but it's completely harmless to everything except for those soft-shelled, those soft larva-type, maggot-type insects. Mm. Yeah, so that's a, a
0: responsible way of, of taking care of. Just your, it's a your lot harvest. more it's
1: a lot harder uh, in terms of n- being informed about your farm um, than just going. Hey, we have this universal herbicide pest. But at the same time, I I, I keep up with a lot of commercial farmers and commercial farming and do a lot of research it's important too because you know if it, you can't just learn from your mistakes well and it's also going into small t- small farming you're not people aren't doing it just because oh i want to make a bunch of money small farming it's an it's an idealistic thing like you have mm-hmm. an idea of what farming should be um but the reality of the situation is unless everybody and their mother grew food instead of growing lawns, Mm -hmm. um, and took the responsibility upon themselves, you're going to have commercial farming because, and that's something that I didn't, I was like, yeah, this could, it could solve it. If you had it on a mass scale and most, you know, folks went out of the specializations or what have you, and started going back into, into working the land, animal husbandry, all that time, then you're not going to have to worry about high concentrations of, of animals in one place. But again, that's a pie in the sky. You know, that's if the world, all was right in the world, you know what I mean? So what,
0: so what inspired you to start doing your own farming, that kind of idealistic, like, how, how is this possible? And could, if I could do it, could other people do it too, kind of? Right,
1: um, well, you know, it started with a few guys I saw that um, they were making okay money, you know, being their own boss. Being my own boss is probably the most important thing. Um, that is the most important thing, but going forward, it's something that I've been doing since I was about 15, and I didn't necessarily know the botanical aspects of it at first. But going like as one thing about of farming and planting, it's like a passive learning. It's something that and I it's it's also a way of what you're most comfortable and how your learning style is, I think. And that's why I say passive learning because I can go out there every day and see the plant's behavior and you can learn from it. Not just reading a book and going, well, this is this, this is that. You're actually, you're learning through experience. And I guess that's where I'm, I mean, most people, I guess, will be stronger learning through experience. Um, you could read everything in the world, but until it's happened, like I said, the vine borers and the books would say, between late June and early August but mm-hmm. in fact it's October and I st- I went out today and one of my plants is dead because of the vine bores. Um, so no more s- no summer squash being planted in August that's a new lesson I thought I could get away with that yeah. uh, unless it's in a greenhouse enclosed, then I could get away with it but uh but yeah that's um so okay
0: so So a a lot of this farming talk is going to go over people's heads Mm because they're not super interested. But let's talk about. (laughs) I'm interested. Don't get me wrong. But let's let's kind of move forward. Uh, You so you talked about building a greenhouse. I I think I asked you like, hey man, do you want to do the podcast at your place? I remember you living in like a tiny home. You told me you're converting that right now into like a little greenhouse. Um, How's how's that project going?
1: So uh, haven't started. I'm in the process of leaving that place actually this evening. So oh wow, yeah, this is all happening in in real time. so, the ideal thought is having tomatoes and sweet peppers at these farmers' markets, and then hopefully, eventually, Brussels sprouts, brassica type plants for your restaurants in January, December, early February, even in November. And nobody else that really grows small is going to be able to do that unless they have an indoor setup. So, or they have a greenhouse outside that has either supplemental lighting or heating actually down in Texas. I don't know if you'd need supplemental lighting. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, I haven't taken tomatoes into, you know, I guess the light cycles it's right now we're at 11 hours up and 13 down or something, or we're hovering near 12, 12, but it'll be 11 to 13. And I think tomatoes will go to vegetative state. I'm not hundred percent sure though. That's mm-hmm. something I'll have to learn. But uh, but yeah, that's the the greenhouse. The idea there is have something that nobody else does in terms of small farmers, and then restaurants. Restaurants, bar none, will go. Yeah, we want what you have, and you know, what are you gonna sell it for? And they'll pay you cash there. The idea is have that every single week, and then go. I'll have this for twelve weeks. Mm -hmm. This many pounds every week. This is what I can reasonably assume what I will get every single week for this crop that's the ideal in the small time farming is where you know what you're going to grow you know how much you're going to have and you know what you're going to make so you can budget your entire season that way so right now it's more me feeling out those mar- like going to these farmers markets the new, the sunday markets just started every weekend now so i'll have a saturday market and a sunday market more people can know about it the more they talk about it. it's just a lot of it is at those markets just you're you're being you're selling yourself as well as the food like people you can Anybody can grow, you know, peppers or whatever, but the person behind all that is really what, uh, it's about 80% of what sells that stuff, to be honest. It's, mm. yeah, it's like 20% of the product attracts people, but 80% of the person is what sells it. You know what I mean? Interesting.
0: Um, is there any kind of like legal hoops you've had to jump through to just grow food and sell it or, or, you know, start so a greenhouse? As a f- that?
1: farmer, you don't need a permit to sell the food, but. Uh, the city of San Marcos charges me sewage on my water. So I pay premium. So now that I have a plot where there's a well, I got to get I'm setting that up for the springtime. Thank the Lord. But city of San Marcos won't charge me ag. They're going to, they want me to dig a whole new line for ag, but it comes from the same source. So you learn a lot about government ineptitude and how lazy government employees really are. Um, And and it's just a fact. Uh, I go up there, I show them, this is what we use every month as a, as a, uh, warehouse, about 3000 gallons. I said, Hey, I'm willing to pay 5,000 gallons in sewage every single month. And then you charge me agriculture after that, because you see here, and then you have charts that are over a 12 month period where it shows how much water you're using, the levels of water. And when eight of those months are very low and then it spikes, it's like, that's when the farming started. I mean, this is clear cut, you can drive over the overpass and swing your head right and go, okay, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But these folks are, in my opinion, they just would rather not uh, think outside the box or do anything outside the box where they go, well, no, we can't do that. If you want to find out how much it's going to cost for you to dig a line, you have to pay a hundred something dollar permit fee. And then it's going to probably cost you two to $4,000 to dig a whole new water line. And it comes from the exact same source. Like that's kind of, when I've talked with legal hoops, really that ideal location at my shop, it would be best if I could have, if I could expand there. But due to the restraints that the city has put on me in terms of charging me, uh, you're talking about the most you can charge for water is what I'm getting charged. And then, so that really makes me go, I've got to be very drought uh, conscious. So that's what the wood chips came in. So I could use a little less water over the summer, but it affects the potential of your crops. So you're not going to have those badass, you know, jalapenos the size of your freaking hand or your, or bell peppers or tomatoes that are just rich. I mean, they will be rich and juicy, but not as large. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to throw more tomatoes in the same bucket to get the pound versus a few large ones. Mm -hmm. Um, So that makes a big difference in the end of the day. In terms of other legal stuff, um, that really comes with just with the business itself. So for the Reclaim, Innovative Reclaim, where I tear down Barnes and, and things like that, you get a good tax ID and it becomes an LLC. So you have to report everything you, and now an LLC is, it's, it's a little nice where you can, you report it once a year, and then if you jump to an S Corp, you have to report every quarter your taxes. and And it's just, once you start learning more and more about that stuff, it's it's pretty amazing because say I sell, what was it? I think it was $6,000 of lumber. And the added, I think I had to add, uh, I don't know what it was exactly, whatever 8.25% of 6000 is for sales tax. That adds, Jesus, like 600 bucks or whatever. I'm not exactly sure. It was about 600 bucks or something like that. And I sit there and I'm going, wow, like, you really think about that. It's like I pay, and, one, and then I must have to pay a payroll tax as well. So, really, from my perspective, it's like everything you do that's productive, someone is taking from you, mm-hmm. and the justifications are all everything under the sun. There's a justification for this that, and the other, but uh, really, like in terms of the legal stuff, insurance, man, insurance and taxes because. If you don't report your taxes, even as a first year small business, the IRS will come after you. And it's just like, it is so difficult to start a business, even in the United States, like across the globe, it's tough to start businesses just because of government corruption or over-regulate, whatever it may be. But just as someone who's entering a market where other people have been in these markets for decades, they have customers for decades, you know what I mean? You're starting at a major disadvantage And on top of all that, you're in a climate where the tax burdens are shifting regularly, you know, um, insurance skyrocketing. And it's just, it's becoming to a point where now I've realized, I'm like, if I didn't have the support system behind me that I do, it'd be, I I don't know what I'd do, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I really don't because it's, I mean, I guess the reclaim stuff, I got lucky because I got introduced that early. You can be broke and go, you know. Negotiate a contract to take down a barn, but then you got to find the customers, and that took me four years, three years to just get the right customers and someone that's like, "Yeah, I want a thousand this, two thousand that," and so really in the legal and all that stuff, it's just, uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It's expensive and stuff.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's that's one of those things that, yeah, you better learn as you go, or else you'll sink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, damn, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't envy all that. No. But you know, it's it's like one of those lifestyles that's that is admirable. It just it sucks that it's so hard for people out there trying to.
1: Well, it's the risk. Oh, and this is a little political statement, but it's the risk takers are the ones that have your. Te- it's, for instance, here in San Marcos, they uh, and I don't know if this is from the state level. It's probably part of the state level, but it's also a local implementation. If you're you're a restaurant owner and someone could say I'm wrong and I could be, but, and I, am not knowing if this is at the state level. I don't believe so, but I know it's at the local level. This is something that I heard that was happening in Seattle, which is called the head tax. And they did this, they tried to do it to Amazon, basically charging tax for it. It's a penalty for every single worker you have. So you pay a fee. So if you have 10 employees, you pay an annual, I don't know, $1,000 fee. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we, that's what we have in San Marcos for uh, specifically restaurants. So What I had seen, or might might include food trucks, I'm not 100% sure. But if you have, say, one to five or five to seven, seven to 10 or whatever employees, those fees go up and up and up because of, I guess, you have employees. Like, that's something to me just blows my mind. It's like, if I'm going to hire you, they're going to charge me money because I'm hiring you. That doesn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't. Like, what what would they be taking the money for? Anything.
1: Right. You got a city, well, this city's in nine figures in debt so you 300 and something million dollars in debt okay there's, there's no we econo- can i mean i can go on and on about the lack yeah. of economic sense and but that it falls into everything because once you start talking about the economics of things that goes into you know what what's in what is environmentally responsible you know what is natural those are f- serious questions the dam situation out here with capes dam and spring lake dam and how there's a I know locally, it is a big issue, I spoke at the historic meeting about it, and the question there is, what is natural, dams are bad, okay, it's a blanket statement, dams are bad, for, dams are bad everywhere because it disrupts the ecology of the river, mm-hmm. Right. well, yes, those first few years, once you input a dam and completely alter that ecosystem, Whatever was regularly at that area going to and fro, that does affect them. Heck, you, put, you probably put a lot of species extinct doing that. But we're almost 200 years down the line, specifically for Cape Stam. What is When does something become natural? After a volcano erupts and it blows out all these small ecosystems, when does it become natural again? You know what I mean? So just because humans, just because we've put our hands on these things, doesn't mean that after a 200-year period, that ecosystem does not be, that becomes natural to that lo, the native wildlife there. And my argument is basically life adapts that way. Right. Okay, you know what I mean. Right. Precisely. Um, that's gross. Um, but uh, he, he licks himself in gross spots. Uh, but yeah, that really it's because I'm a I know sustainability in terms of ecology and you know, how the sun of, like, when you want to talk about climate and everything like that, that is something I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, weeks and weeks and weeks researching, getting down, figuring out where am I wrong, you know, what I used to believe in, where was that wrong, where was that right, and, uh, dude, it it is astounding, because I'll be honest, my indoor stuff, I have a, Uh, Fungal mycelial culture and the I don't know what the culture is called because I'm lazy I'd rather just buy it from the company, but the company is called exhale and This specific uh, mycelial culture doesn't go to fruiting body because you don't need it to it's not your purpose But it produces a ton of carbon dioxide. That's what it is called exhale you get that So what you do is when you vegetate plants plants eat carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. up Well, if you're speaking on an evolutionary level for plants, right now, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere for parts per million, relatively speaking, they're starving. So, if you were to look at NASA data from, I I think this is the past 25 or 40 years, something like that. What we're seeing is a country, just in terms of the United States, getting warmer, getting wetter. What does that mean? Longer farming seasons, more biomass more food for everybody so that is something where it's like okay if i'm going to look at it through that lens and go now my seasons are longer now this year we've this rain has really screwed everything up but in all fairness like if you're in the midwest your seasons are going to be longer and now how much how much longer that's a good question could be a day could be two you know like these things aren't known but what is known is a general trend and like the mayor San Marcos, Tomides. I like the guy. He's a good person. I like Jane Houston, too. She's running for mayor, too. But he's one of these mayors that uh, joined what they called the climate mayors, which were, they said, well, we want to implement these things that the Paris Climate Accord wanted to implement, which is essentially taxing your carbon emissions. So right now, the reason why gas is 230, 240, whatever it is, gas right now is sin tax, like cigarettes and alcohol. It's a syntax because it's carbon emissions. So right now we do have c- carbon taxes on our gasoline usage. And what these local mayors, I don't know, there's five of them, I think. Um, essentially what it is is how do, we, how do we make you curb your CO2 emissions?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We make it more expensive. Who does that hurt the most? Really it's going to hurt the, the little guy. Exactly. But
0: isn't it important to implement kind of carbon taxes when 70% of our carbon output is coming from 100 companies you know like we need to incentivize some way for these companies to not be polluting our environment so much it isn't about the little guys right and and it it sucks that it's hurting the little guys doing that but that doesn't mean that carbon taxes are wrong i don't think it just maybe the way that they're being implemented isn't the right
1: way so i would say that taxing energy i would in terms of carbon taxes i would look at alberta and canada um because they rely on like heat. So we live in Texas. We don't have to worry about uh, wintertime really. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, this is yeah. freezing. It's getting for me. pretty cold. This is ridiculous man. for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're living in a hut. Yeah. You know, you I adapted the climate yeah. well, but uh, it's you're talking about folks who are in like below zero temperatures for like a few, like three or four months out of the year, and their energy bills are going up, but their pay hasn't gone up at all. So mm-hmm. their cost of living increases simply because it's a, a moral act in terms of, you know, a government official. But my point is, is a lot of the folks, especially with these, every like a lot of people who have opinions on this, that aren't farmers or climatologists or folks who really look into it, the largest single factor for greenhouse gases is water vapor. Hands down. So when you go to Florida, it's 90 degrees, but the humidity is 100% it's way hotter than 90 degrees that is kind of that's the bottom line really is water vapor is going to be your largest factor methane's going to be up there as well as tar- in terms of greenhouse gas carbon dioxide honestly what's going being put out there i'm not saying cur- i'm not saying don't curb it but i'm saying that to justify a carbon tax to to tax people's energy needs um it hurts the little guy, and so you want to be a small business owner, and you have to pay carbon taxes to go anywhere, do anything. Um, it really stifles your development, and, it, and a good example of how large companies can deal with these things is San Marcos has, if you're a large business that's coming into town, looking for and saying, hey, I am, uh, I don't know, there's Silicon Labs in Austin, they make... I think microchips or something. They do something with technological manufacturing. They go, we're Silicon Labs. We want to come down here and, you know, we have all these things to offer your city. You know, we're going to give you 1,000 jobs, you know, this, that, and the other. And they go, what can you guys offer us so we can basically work out how to make this work for both of us? Well, the city says, before we even sit down and talk about that, you have to pay your employees, every single one of them, at least $15 an hour, and cover all of their health benefits, regardless if they're full or part time. And okay, that's fine. You can ask that based off of what? What is the based off of? Well, you call the financial, I forget what it is the, the treasurer or whomever in the city. What did you base it off of? Well, we base it off of this, you know, there's some cities around the country that do this. Yes, is it successful? We don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's like, okay. Why would you do that in the first place? You're trying to take moral stances as a government. This is what's going on. I don't believe in good faith government. I believe in human nature. So, again, the folks that are specifically in terms of the climate stuff, a lot of of non-research going on and appealing to authority. So, if if folks are going to listen to whomever, I don't care who it is, and you go, well, because this person said it, I believe it and it's true, it's like... That's, that's, that's a religious claim. That's something that you're saying, well, because the Bible says so, because this religious, doesn't matter what text you're talking about, holy text, because the holy text says it, that is the truth. And if you talk against it, it's a blasphemy.
0: But it seems like you said you don't believe in good faith government, you believe in human nature. Yes. And it seems like without government regulation, human nature is to just take as much as you can. The CEO makes $500 dollars manager makes or $500 an hour manager makes $25 an hour mm. and then pays the worker seven twenty five an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, I'm, I mean the CEO, it's his business, right? He can do it he sure. wants. but it seems like there needs to be some government involved saying like, if you're putting out this much like carbon taxes and things like that is, is important because without it, companies would just ruin our environment. They would do everything they can to make more profit and to, uh, well, if there's
1: no, if there's no planet left, what's, what's the purpose of the company? You the, know? Well, exactly. If there's
0: no pl- it, well, exactly, which is why, <laughs> that, that's th- which is ins- why it's insane that companies like like big oil interests are fighting so hard for n- to not switch to not go to sustainable energy things to sure. to, to make sure people c- could believe that climate change is a hoax to to make people think that like oh it's not so bad that we're po- polluting our environment. Because they don't want to stop getting rich. And that's where we
1: need government intervention. Right. But I would say that all of your senators, except for maybe a very small hand, like maybe one hand, five, like a handful of those people, are getting rich because they're politicians. So your your heart's in the right place. Um, But, you know, I, I know some guys in the oil and gas industry. I sell reclaim to those folks. And, you know... It's not 100% false that they they don't want the gravy gravy train to stop because that's liquid Mm -hmm. gold. Don't get me wrong. I understand. And what I am more uh, excited about is the natural evolution of technology and how it exponentially increases every single year. So, for instance, we used to depend on foreign oil. You know, we were an energy-dependent country. Now we are the largest producer of energy on the planet. Now, is that good for the environment? That remains to be seen. Is it, so this is, it. this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about an environment for human beings. What is ideal for the human being? So either we're talking about, we're going to geoengineer our way back, or we curb what is harmful in certain areas and promote... In favor of new technologies? Sure. Now what we have right now is we have subsidies going to both sides. We have a lot of subsidies that have been going to the oil and gas industry forever. And as a government entity, and I think about this more on a macro scale, if you want to be a superpower on the planet, what's the one thing you need to control? It's energy. Energy is what every, everything else comes after. You know what I mean? Um, that's the foundation of civilization is energy. So on, on thinking through that lens, I can understand, you know, where they were coming from. Although there was a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, up until the 70s, they had lead in gasoline. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there was a big push by the oil companies to say, well, no, it was, there's, it's fine. It doesn't hurt anything.
0: Even though they knew it was hurting. Precisely.
1: Somebody. Precisely. So, yes, you're not wrong. And it's not wrong to say that there's a lot of crookedness going on in these private companies. Not just politicians. Precisely.
0: And they're influencing the crooked politicians. Precisely.
1: Um, well, the problem is there's, the government has so much power. Then now these businesses go, hey, whatever your name is, I'm going to give you, I'm going to donate X amount to your campaign Mm -hmm. and hey, I'll give you these gifts. You know, you'll have a house over here Mm -hmm. or whatever you may, or, you know, help us get these government contracts, which is guaranteed money instead of working with private citizens where you have to work out, you have to work out contracts. And then if you don't get paid, you got to litigate. The government's always going to pay. The government always pays. So that's kind of where also that comes from is... You're, you're going in, these businesses are saying, hey, I'd love guaranteed money. Who doesn't want guaranteed money? Government's going to guarantee your money every day of the week, unless you have a big business guy that has good rapport across wherever he does business, and you go, yeah, I'm confident this guy's going to not screw me over, because you'd be everybody, human nature is human nature, man, It is. it blows my mind. That's why I've written contracts are so important. Um, so, I guess... At the bottom line is with technology, we are able to curb our pollution mm-hmm. like, and that doesn't need government to do anything about that.
0: And government is, is preventing us from using a lot of these newer, greener technologies in a lot of ways, right?
1: I can't speak to exactly, you know, what's being, what prevented. laws
0: or what is happening. So but it seems like they're making it harder. Like as, as far as I know, they're taxing solar energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making it like more expensive to put solar panels on your house. And if you are going green, you still have to pay like a certain amount of money towards the, the like utilities. Towards sure. Government okay. Stuff. There
1: you go. So, and that's something that, yeah. It, You're
0: dealing with that, right? Like with your, your you're trying to live in a hut and you're trying to be sustainable, right? If you, but you can't just get your own water and do your own.
1: Right. Well, I'm, I'm doing that so I can build my businesses and have, and build, set myself out for a better life. Um, and the way that gratifies me the most is doing it, not necessarily by myself, but me as the arbiter of my own fate type of thing. Not where I can, I, I could go anywhere and, uh, you know, join a business and work my way up the ranks, but, personally, it doesn't interest me really. Uh, I like, I, I enjoy the challenge, but also there's a huge learning curve with all that stuff. And that's kind of where I've learned a lot about you know, like the taxation and things like that. And learning about, uh, people in government, man. Um, a lot of these folks have never had a real job. What I mean by a real job where well, you, you're like this page, ch- I got to pay rent. Mm-hmm. i got to pay rent and get food, and this is the paycheck that's going to do it, and I can't screw things. If my car breaks down, I may not eat as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's reality. And a lot of where these folks come from is I've never had to pay this or that. Mom and dad have taken care of everything. Or I've never actually gone out in the field and worked with my hands. Or honestly, it, a large part of it is is most of these folks are lawyers. Most of these folks are... I think they're mostly just freaking lawyers, man. So,
0: let's talk about our our current political Texas climate right now. We're, sure. we're heading into a midterm election; it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your stance on Ted Cruz versus Beto O'Rourke? Do you think Beto is one of the? Do you think it's important to have honest politicians like Beto? Do you believe Beto is honest? No, I don't believe. Beto you don't is think honest. so? No, I. So it's that just because of your intrinsic like. So
1: uh, I actually today. Uh, a, a girl posted on a Facebook what uh, a two-minute clip of Beto um, and saying, "Actually, can pull up what I wrote and that hopefully she didn't delete the uh, comment." Yeah. <laughs> I said with all due respect, I just had to point out because he was talking about dishonesty and going into uh, specifically talking about well, we you know we want honest politicians, this and that. Mm-hmm. We don't want walls, we don't want a Muslim ban, we don't want... uh, What else did he say? Yeah, see, i got to look this up. So, specifically, and I'll just go by the claim. So, like, the claim about a Muslim ban. It's like, well, yes, those countries were Muslim, but those countries weren't actually chosen by the administration that everyone hates so much. They were chosen by the Obama administration, and it was going to be implemented regardless. Like, those were... The military folks, the, the generals recommended that to be happening Mm -hmm. um do i agree with uh, honestly i can't speak to for or against i would say that what's going on uh right now is extremely troubling and a lot of it again my perspective is creature comforts everyone gets uh creature comforts you get heat cooling you got a washer dryer you got a stove to cook on Mm -hmm. you got running water and that is a human right. No, it's not. Right. You have to bust your ass to get that. I'm busting my. I busting my ass for the last five years to do that, and I still barely live up to the snuff. And that isn't that isn't something that you're born with. But because our generations past have sacrificed so much and done so much, um, this is normal for us. We're privileged enough Dude, to believe that this. We. Deserve anybody that like lives that. in the United States of America, I don't care who you are you are privileged and mm-hmm. the fact that you and i i don't this is the only place on planet earth that actually has almost absolute free speech meaning i can't go to jail because i offended you mm-hmm. everywhere else you can mm-hmm. everywhere else people don't it's hard to believe look it up like it's the sh- it's f- real shit. and uh terrifying terrifying now now we're going into the realm of censorships and you know, Facebook, I heard either Facebook or YouTube took off 800 accounts they said was fake news or whatever. It's like.
0: Well, there are a lot of accounts that are being made oh, there's that a are. Ton of fake accounts. Uh, just fake and made to instigate people. They, Absolutely. They'll, they'll post things that they know are foolish so mm-hmm. that they can trigger some Absolutely. other kind of person. Absolutely. It's insane.
1: Who's the people monitoring that, though? And who judges what's offensive and what isn't? Because I guarantee you, dude, are you kidding me?
0: What the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, man. okay. No, I'm sorry. no, dude, no worries, no He's worries. Got
1: a with stuff
0: I got that from a, a move. I got that free from a move. I'm a no, mover no. at Little
1: Guys. Okay. Um, what was I talking about? I'm sorry. No, okay, but I think we got a little. We were talking about Facebook. Veto, and stuff, okay, but Veto, we got a little okay, off track. Specifically here. his claims. Specifically his claims. Because okay. we, we were
0: just talking about how it's not right for politicians to be in the pockets of big oil companies or and, anybody. Okay, but. but isn't it important for them to be in the pocket of the people who elected them into power? It's important to represent that are funding their campaigns. Right.
1: It's important for them to represent their, their people's interests and what they are doing, how they're getting rich is they're selling your interests. So say, uh, you know, your politician says, you know, says your politician wants green energy, this and that. We don't like oil. He gets elected he lobbies for big oil, or you check his voting record. He voted, you know, to take these regulations off of oil. That's what it's that that when it when it, I mean selling your interest. That's what I mean. And um, so, in terms of being honest, let's see if she didn't. Okay, good. It's still there. So, in terms of Beto's uh, specific statements, um, mm-hmm. it was. Oh, did she delete it? Oh,
0: she deleted it. Well, she can't delete your comment, can she? I think she. Yeah. Her she can delete. Her oh, wait, no, no. This is, the, this is the
1: main one. Hold on. Let me check. My There we go. That's the threat. There it is. Okay. So let's see. And he spoke about, okay. When they say Trump says, you know, the press is the enemy of the people. Well, he didn't say that. He said fake news presses the enemy of the people.
0: But who is he targeting as fake CNN. news?
1: Any, any, well, any
0: news company that says anything bad about him. It's not just about.
1: Well, sure. Don't get me wrong. Trump is, has an
0: ego on him that is is larger than. He's, larger than he's targeting journalists because they report but are they not honestly about him. About him. Being no, they are, they are because well, a, a lot. Of, maybe some of them are being honest, but I think a lot of times they're reporting accurately on the way he says things, the way he phrases things, the way he. Goes about his daily life, and that makes Trump upset that they're reporting honestly about.
1: Do you believe that those MSNBC says they're left-wing, so I'll I'll give them a slide there. But CNN says they're balanced, they're fair and balanced. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that CNN has no bias?
0: No, I absolutely do believe that. That's what I mean. I think there are, aside from the, but even like Fox News is. Most of their pieces are opinion pieces, absolutely. and they even say that at but the bottom of the screen. That. It's Fox like Fox News and
1: MSNBC both, and that's why I give them a pass. Is Fox is right, MSNBC is left. CNN says we are middle. And well,
0: then, and that has to do with the 24-hour news cycle. How they always have to be putting out sensationalist but that's kind of news though. and stuff. Yeah. it is absolutely dishonest. But that's not to say that all of their journalism is doesn't have integrity. Sure, because a lot of their reports are
1: are fair and balanced. Aside from economics, I don't really because. Don Lemon the other night saying, or like they were laughing, and quote unquote, what Kanye is, is what happens when Negroes don't read. They're laughing about that on national television. Yeah, that's terrible. You can't sit there and tell that's me. Horrible. That's It is. And that's, it's that's racist. And that's biased. It's, it is uh, racist. And it's,
0: and it's sad that that is happening, but that is a product. I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying it's. It's a product of the twenty-four hour news cycle. We have sensationalism all over the place. Oh yeah, but and they're only anybody, talking about Trump. Anybody who's—it's well, hard to avoid talking about Trump. What, there's so much going on. Yeah, there's I guess
1: so there much. Is. Go, you're talking about—we have, you know, like I said, we produce the mo- world's most energy. We produce. What do you l- think about? I'm sorry to cut off. What
0: did you think about uh, the intergovernmental climate? Uh, IPCC scientists. Yeah, I've read their uh, studies. Did man. you? Do, what do you think about them saying they're we need to curb our? Or we need to do something about... Human impact on climate change is debatable, right? But they're saying that if we don't do something by 2030, we're
1: fucked. What is doing
0: something? Uh, limiting, making bigger, more uh, regulations on big businesses. Like I said, 100 companies are putting out 70% of our carbon output. And in hurricanes are you know, getting bigger, right? You just said September was the
1: wettest we've ever had. Well, it. I wouldn't say hurricanes are getting bigger. Hurricanes are absolutely we getting had, bigger. We just had the worst hurricane hit Florida. In 50 years. Yeah. But that's only in 50 years. We're to, if you're going to talk about geological timescales or climate timescales, you've got to talk in the ten, thousands to tens of thousands of years. Okay. So you're going to have, you're going to have and this all depends on the solar irradiance from the sun. So you have a giant nuclear bomb or a giant nuclear fusion sphere that's a million times the size of Earth. A million times, million Earths can fit inside the Sun. Okay. So this thing that's a million times the size of Earth has small fluctuations in its irradiance, which is essentially the 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 intensity of its solar radiation. Depending on its, the Sun has cycles too, and we only have it up to 11-year cycles. We don't we don't have the the centuries and millennia of observation to go. These cycles are much longer. Our history of data on climate and and the solar system is so small in the grand scheme of things to make, to sit there and say that human beings are even, I I would, you know, we can debate, you know, what percentage of the cause humans are, but to completely ignore and what the IPCC does, the solar irradiance factor is so astounding they say well one or two percent it, it doesn't affect a one or two percent shift in a an object that has a million times the mass of this object who's the sole energy input to our planet it's going to have massive implications so there's nothing
0: but there's nothing we can do about the sun isn't it important to take the steps we can on earth well, to right make but sure it's, that it's not
1: our fault well that's what you got to determine at what what percentage is human caused
0: and that's and that's com- is highly contested, and there's no clear answer for that, right. right? But if it is our fault, right? We've ha- we've only had all these technologies and, and carbon outputs for the last 150 200 years, right? Mm. And that's when we've been seeing this extreme growth, and the the ocean is warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius right now. Mm-hmm. Once it gets to two degrees Celsius, there's going to be like they, I, I don't catastrophic predictions. Well, and they <laughs> they say that uh, and well, I mean, currently Miami is spending they below sea level. An insane amount of money to keep the flooding at bay. But it yeah. wasn't always flooding.
1: Right. Well, I would say this. If you look at the Younger dryass period, which is about 11,600 years ago or so uh, to 10,500, 400 years ago or so, the we had a huge impact. Two impact events wiped out almost all the megafauna on our continent in North America. So we had woolly rhinos. We had... A huge mega sloths, we had, we, the stuff you see in Africa, the, the, the large megafauna, the prevalence of, it's, megafauna are mammals over 100 pounds, mm-hmm. were as prevalent in North America. But during that time, huge impact event in, the, in their studies, and they, didn't, they don't account for catastrophic, catastrophic events, they just accounted for the water vapor. At that time, it was an ice age 11,600 years ago. You have a comet, a piece of a comet comes down, hits the polar uh, glacial sheet that's two miles thick in uh, northern Canada, or northern United States, kind of southern Canada. And there's a place in Montana called the Scablands. So long story short, you have climate change like 15 to 20 degrees Fahrenheit in one year. okay, And that's what wiped out a ton of these plants and animals. Mm. Um, And so after that, though, for almost a thousand years, like, and this is you know highly debated, but you know Africa, the Sahara Desert was like a rainforest, and there's evidence of that. And then there's the the Racot structure in in that part of the world that, it looks like it's in the they call it the Eye of the Sahara, and it's like, well, why is that sitting there? And, and it, you can see huge water recessions. And then in Montana, there's something called the Scablands, which is from massive flooding that moved these gigantic boulders. These boulders are. Massive, like you really only can tell the scale from a plane, and then and when it floods, what happens is the the ground ripples. So there's flood gouges like miles long, and so these the catastrophic flooding, catastrophic climate change, and the the thing about had I, nothing to do with humans, precisely. Yeah. But my point is is it, it's hard to sit there and go, okay, I think in my opinion, the largest, fe- the, the biggest thing you need to be worried about is an asteroid impact. Honestly, that is the largest thing you need to be worried about. But in terms of getting back to what we're talking about, you know, what percentage is humans cause and what percentage mm-hmm. is, you know, from solar radiation or what percentage is from, uh, you know, they do cloud seed, they do clouds, they do geoengineer. There's a lot of that going on. So if you go to, uh, What's that place? Dubai. Dubai cloud seeds. So it rains. So they make it rain. And the question is, is, what's more damaging? You know, it's hard to really sit there. Like, we're really playing with fire. Because the earth, the, honestly, the earth will be here after we're gone. If anything, goes, if anything happens, the earth will be here after we're gone. 99% of species that ever existed on earth have been extinct. You know, the earth will live on. And there's been plenty of times where carbon dioxide is correlated with ice ages And times when it's hot, humid, where it's, I don't know, I guess it's the Pliocene era, where it's, Mm -hmm. you know, gigantic plants and trees, but it's got about three or four times the amount of carbon dioxide we have in our atmosphere. Um, In terms of civilization, about... So if we want
0: to survive, isn't it important to not have so much carbon output?
1: Well, I'm sorry, I go all over the place. But civilization puts its uh, cities near water. You know, right, that's yeah. where you're able yeah. to have ports and it's, it's much more accessible for folks, you mm-hmm. know, to move about and it's safer. But the, the risk is, is okay. What you have tree line, you have a for, coastal forest. Houston, there used to be a coastal forest there. Well, you, you hack that down. So you're going to have a lot of wind damage from hurricanes. Those are wind breaks. And they also are <laughs> water absorbers. They sit there and mm-hmm. they drink that water up. Mm-hmm. You're going to have flooding problems. So. Common sense to me would say either don't live in a place that's under sea level because common sense or do what, uh, is it Sweden or Norway where they invested a long time ago where they was like, they looked at a 10,000 year flood event and they built, I believe they're the levees or for large dam-like structures that are prepared for a 10,000 year flood event. Are you willing to pay 60% of your income in taxes? That's just, You know what I mean? It's like, these are the kind of questions that we need to ask ourselves because if you move inland and uh, you move to Oklahoma, you know Alabama, you got a tornado risks. You know nature is unforgiving and mm-hmm. we do our best. But
0: do you don't think that these these events, hurricanes, natural disasters that are happening lately, fires in California, fires all over the place, well, man, fires are happening fi- all over.
1: We'll talk about California. For I'm a not saying
0: I'm not even saying it's it's this is necessary. What is prevalent in man. California? I'm specifically. saying isn't Aren't I mean? These things are happening, right? It's getting worse.
1: So, I would say in terms of hurricanes, no, we've seen we've we have hurricane season every single year. Katrina was bad. Uh, Mm The one that we just saw in Florida was worse than Katrina. Um, Worse than fifty years. Right. But there was also that. I think it was like in 1908, Corpus Christi got just eviscerated. Or Corpus Christi or Galveston, excuse me. Eviscerated by a yeah, horrible hurricane. Probably both of them. Uh, sure. But uh, I would say, specifically for California, why those wildflower wildfires are so bad? Policy. You aren't allowed, as a citizen of California, to go clear brush. So take dead, dead branches off of trees is illegal.
0: Could it also have to do with the humans sucking, like, over-farming, over-taking the water having to take water from northern california and pump it with human made nile to central and southern california sure. i mean it, it just, just
1: doesn't rain there though either so like right. you're talking about areas and i'm you know in northern california they do burn but i would say that the larger factor in all that is not being good stewards of the land so so human
0: human well it's 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 human's cause and
1: the fact of human negligence it's it's so on my property here down in San Antonio or West San Antonio about an hour, we have a ton of different trees, you know, and there's either fungus that happens, there's drought that happens, and there's risks of these things that happen. You've got to be a responsible steward of land and go, I can identify how to bring the potential out of these trees, out of these shrubs, so they're not going to be just kindling for a fight. If a lightning strike happens or whatever happens, or say someone throws a cigarette butt out the window – and you know, you have a bunch of brush that's just dried for months. Not wood like wood chips, that's a kick. That's a badass. I think that's that that'd solve a lot of the California issue if you could just have people go, let them clear their land, let them, not necessarily hack the trees down, take the dead stand down, or when you have trees that grow tall, their lower foliage isn't gonna get sun because their higher foliage is. The lower foliage is gonna dry up. And send that energy up to the top. It doesn't hurt the tree to go take that thing off. You know, bring it to your house or wood chip it, do whatever. But get that dry dead stand off. But But, you're saying there's policies in California that don't let you precisely.
0: So government involving themselves in ways they shouldn't be exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, that is human
1: cause. That's human cause climate. That I would say it makes something that would be... It
0: amplifies these climate It disasters. becomes a disaster. It becomes yeah. a
1: catastrophic. Like, literally, the fires are making their own weather. Like, it's so violent and voracious because there's so much fuel for it to burn. And that's the thing. You take the fuel away. Yeah, wildfires are now... I mean, imagine the wildfires when, you know, thousands of years ago. Who knows? But then, everything... It's, a, it's also, you know a cycle of renewal so Mm -hmm. all these new plants come up we come to being seeds that have laid dormant for years and years and years finally have a chance to get some sun sprout was it good or bad i i don't know but i'm just sitting there like that is nature and it's and it's nasty but Mm -hmm. i agree you know there's well over farming i would say that you know either you curb population or yeah and that's that to me is probably the most diabolical thing because when people talk about overpopulation, I can sit here and tell you confidently we could feed the world 10 times over if people started doing their part. Doing, doing yeah. their own farming. Get off your ass. Seriously. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just not everybody has the time to do it whenever they need to have a job to pay for things. They mm-hmm. need to have a car. They need to have mm-hmm. the stove and the heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and they, it's, it's, it's hard to say get off your ass and do it when they're... Getting off their ass to go be a slave to some company who doesn't pay them enough.
1: I would say that we have the most entitled generation ever. Ever. Because I right. have i can't tell you Absolutely. how many... iPhones and... Well, I can't tell you how many different people just tearing down old barns. That is some of the toughest work you're going to do. Mm-hmm. My only competition really is Amish because they work together um, as a family unit. I think that's fabulous. But all... I don't say all... The majority of folks I had out there, I had one guy last 45 minutes. Oh, and sh- the excuse to me was, I don't feel like my potential is being utilized to X-Max. I don't care. I'm paying you 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. I'm paying you 20 bucks an hour to move wood. If you want to go do something else, go. But don't sit here and give me your excuses. So it's being, and it's also, I see you have 12 rules for life. We have a bunch of weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. So mm. we are in good times right now relatively. It's shaky. It is shaky as shit because of the amount of weak men we have. People and I'm not just men, humans. Mm-hmm. Men is just call it humans. Weak human beings that would rather stay in their comforts on and you. live off credit, not live off Precisely. of their work. Not not live within your means. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, and it's and it sucks when you see someone who's younger than you or your age who has nice things and their parents give them everything. That can make you cynical. It makes me cynical too. But at the same time, it drives me because I want my kids to have that shit.
0: Mm-hmm. I, wanna,
1: I, want, I don't care. I want my kids to have everything under the sun. Now, that entails me busting my ass now. That's a good driver, you know what I mean, thinking of it that way. But what I notice and what I see... You know, when folks are like, you know, Amazon exploits their workers, this and that. They pay them 15 bucks an hour. If you don't want oh, to work, they do.: Well, in San Marcos, they did before. They did before. No, they didn't. Yes. No, they didn't. Maybe the,
0: some employees, but not all of them. The, uh, are they the, the
1: city of San Marcos, well, remember what I said at the beginning, $15 minimum wage plus health benefits. Amazon I planted a money?
0: job there the, within the last year, though, and the, their pay rate was 10 15 an hour.
1: Oh, no shit. Then I'm wrong. Okay, $15 an hour then.
0: Now they, now they make but sure they get paid 15 Personally,
1: I believe that uh, that's nonsense because How it's, it's low-skilled labor. So
0: yeah. So, well, okay, so we have a problem in our country, right, where all the, the middle-skilled, middle-paid like paid jobs disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now we only have high-skilled, high-paid jobs and low-skilled, low, low paid jobs. I wouldn't jobs. say that.
1: Trades, baby. I'll tell you right now, I'm 26, okay? If I were to go to trade school at 18... To be an electrician, a welder, an HVAC specialist, a welder, uh, electrician, or a plumber. Right now, you I could be six making figures. six figures a year, man. So there is an intense need for for the foundations of what builds this country. You need running water. Mm-hmm. You need lights. You know, you need air conditioning. You need heating. You need to have your your machines work. You know, you need to have your vehicles put together. And what's best to have that is to have it done here. Seguin. Is a fan, and when I ran for city council, 2008 to 2015, they added 3,000 jobs because they manufacture. Mm. They bring in big cat. uh, They build, you know, front loaders, backhoes, skid steer. It's just, it's awesome. I wish that was in more places, but yeah, it's it's. I'm
0: kind of. I was kind of playing devil's advocate there a bit with the $15 an hour Amazon thing, because also, you you mentioned it, but it is it is like one of those lower skilled jobs. Mm He, he doesn't have to pay anyone to do that. Robots could do that job. Mm. Well, that's
1: what it's going to happen. Be there. Due to the government enforcing of labor laws, companies like McDonald's and things like that are like, we got to, instead of slowly investing in that technology and gradually over time and going, we'll kind of ease into this, which it is kind of an easing, but it's going to be, I, I, I personally believe it's someday soon, it's going to be, Boom. They come out, you know, you go to fast food. I go to Subway and I'm like, dude, one day you're just going to pick what you want and it's going to show up Mm. very soon. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. And then what do we do? Oh, there's so much you can do. So the labor that the low skilled labor problem, I think is very fixable because we have the internet. You, you have access to, uh, almost all of the human knowledge, but, uh, because of how research papers and stuff are controlled and racketeered by publishers and universities, the average person can't put their mind on some of the most cutting edge science or innovations. Now I actually did a research paper about and what research paper about that, And what really blew my mind is the, the lady who is the professor. She's like, just kind of brushed it off like it was nothing. It's like the average cost for one of the research papers at like uh, EBSCOhost, one of those, it's about 60 bucks for a research paper, you know. The average person isn't going to pay 60 bucks to read through that. But if, instead of having a couple hundred minds on one problem, imagine a couple billion minds on one problem, where everyone had access to whatever problems there are. You could go on the internet and, you know, search up. That's what the dark web is for. But most folks use the regular internet and they don't have access to those, to the, the really pertinent information to help you get ahead, which is the cutting edge science. A lot of that cutting-edge science is funded by our tax dollars, yet we have to pay to access it. So it's just kind of ridiculous. And that's, really it is, if there was more minds on a problem, you'd solve it faster. Or you'd more efficiently, or mm-hmm. better. And the control the control of knowledge is a big problem. But with this innovation, you're going to need mechanics on those, or engineers on those automated machines. Um what else? Mm-hmm. I don't know what other, like, so when the internet came out, our cell phones came out, all these new industries, podcasting was never a thing until, you know, not too long ago. So I can't sit there and say, you know, what new opportunities will show up. What I can say is I would rather have it to where I could have a kid come in, 12, 11 years old, wants to learn a little bit about woodworking and say, hey, I'll pay you three bucks an hour right now because you know nothing. Next week, we'll talk about it. Next week, you may get more because you're more efficient and proficient here. And you, you bring apprenticeships back. that need Because internships, unpaid internships, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say exploitation, but it is a little exploitative to me. It's just another way to, to get work for nothing. And if you have it to where people can negotiate, if it's two bucks an hour, that is enough to get you in the door. So instead of working for this person for free, I'll negotiate. And then you learn. Mm-hmm. You learn how to negotiate. Everything isn't going to be pretty. Um, it's actually going to be pretty gnarly. Like right now, I'm, I'm trying to get a $6,000 check from one of a, a client, you know, after doing a, a big job. And uh, it's extremely tough and stressful to just go about it the right way. Because you can just go, screw that, I'm going to sue you. And now we're going to go to court and, you know, lose your cool over that.
0: And then you lose your money because you got to pay legal fees. Exactly.
1: And so, my dad, you know, jumps down my throat. He's like, you know, contr- restraint, is, restraint is power. Like, having restraint on your emotions and your reactions and just being able to... Speak
0: softly. Carry a big stick.
1: And just detach. Like, yeah. Jocko Willink. He's like, if there's problems, you know, it's like, good. But I detach. Like, I don't invest myself emotionally into this. Yet, I want to get the whole scope of facts and then tackle it emotionally. And so... Anyways, in terms of you know the moving towards automation and opportunities going away for certain people, sure. That I mean, in the United States, that is the case. It's happening. Yeah, there, it is happening. But at the same time, it, it's incumbent upon us as human beings. We have the gift of you know intellect and knowledge, and we're and, and not everyone's equal in their level of intellect or knowledge. But I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of time and effort and will you put into wanting to do these things. How much do you mm. want to critically analyze things? How, how often are you willing to say, I'm wrong? You know what I mean? I said I'm wrong a shitload. You know, I was wrong about the Amazon thing. I'm, I'm completely wrong about that out here. I'm okay to say that. Um, but what I see a lot of is folks don't want to be wrong, and they would rather have win by conjecture, meaning say there's five of us in this room, and we all agree on a fact mm. that... We come to find out is wrong. But someone comes in and says, No, here it is, and here's the evidence to show you're wrong. We go, No, you're I don't believe that crap and you're full of shit. And mm-hmm. you know, we're right, you're wrong. There's more of us than there is you. That's like mob rule. Um, we've seen where that goes. It's not a good thing. You know, you get you get Nazi Germany, you get communist Russia, you get mm-hmm. you know, Pol Pot, you get Maoist China. That's something that's not that's not good for the individual I'm an individualist type of person. Every individual has the ability to go and and research whatever you want to research. And
0: find knowledge.
1: Precisely. But it's important, incumbent, like Jordan Peterson, is to, you know, orient yourself to the highest good, do it your best to do that. You know what I mean? And and
0: and suffering is a very important. Well, part suffering
1: of, is li- life is suffering. So life, yeah, you're and, going to suffer.
0: And we talked about privilege and how our generation is the most privileged and entitled. Mm-hmm. They don't like to suffer. You're very right.
1: Yes. So you know, heat stress, cold stress, you know, muscular stress, uh, mental strain, all those things are suffering. Mm-hmm. But that suffering also binds us. Like Navy SEALs. Our brothers through suffering together, like they. Yeah, dude, I've learned a
0: lot about that in this little guy's moving job. Okay. When you get there, you go when you leave on the truck at the end of the day, and you're like,
1: "There's a bonding that goes on there. It's like you're my brother." It was like a third floor to a third floor
0: apartment move. Right on. Like I can't believe that person made that mistake twice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's in reality though that's something that you needs to be chair and it's, and I don't see that a lot. And that's something why I consider joining a uh, military. And if I do that, I would try my best to be special forces, but um, it's the, it's the, it's the unfettered trust because mm-hmm. you've, you've, been through the worst with each other.
0: I don't know if you would... I mean, I think you... I can't say for sure. I don't know if you'd like being told what to do every day right, for no, the rest of your I life. I
1: talked to the guy. I talked to the recruiter about that, and he's like, well, yeah, there's...
0: You can suffer on your own without being in the military, <laughs> man. No, I do that plenty. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> but at the same time, I, what I mean, I guess, more specifically is when I see some, these men, or when I was talking to these guys in particular, and it's like, you're talking about your brothers, and... Um, when you outside of that, you know, I see a lot of tribalism. In t- like I believe, I believe in the tribe of America or the tribe of the human race. You know, first, unfortunately, you know, you go most other places on the planet, they're not going to be as nice and as free and open as the United States. So, my, my first tribe would be the United America, United States. But I would love to tribe to be human tribe where we all are like, hey, let's agree killing's wrong. You know, let's agree that cutting right. people's hands off, cutting people's heads off or, you know, sending drugs up the border with like I I used to work with guys that used to do that stuff. They were part of Zeta cartel. Just mules. And yeah. it's just like oh, well, I used to do construction and on their off season they do construction. It's just like <laughs> uh, but at the same time it's you know, do unto others as you'd want to do to as you want done to you. And and those are simple things and a lot of it like like I, I invoked, you know, the Bible as being an absolute text where someone would quote it before, but at the same time, faith is something that's being lost, big time. Faith is very important. Jordan Peterson talks about. It. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. if you saw his uh, biblical series. Oh, I watched um, like the
0: first five or six of them, yeah. and I was like, these are dense, and I just. I watched them twice. To, I watched you them. watched all of them. Yes, yeah,
1: twice, twice, twice. Well, I'll do. I'll wake up in the morning and work out.
0: You could just throw it. You could put it in your ears. You don't have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um,
0: shout out the podcast, man.
1: Yeah. Oh man. He. He's. Him in particular. um, How he articulates things. They're obvious, but it takes a wise man to point out kind of the common thing, common sense, and.
0: It doesn't. I don't understand how he's so misrepresented too, because it seems like the what he puts forward is reasonable. Yeah, it's not even like he's he's taking really hard stances on things. I mean, he does, but it's not like they're yeah reasonable exactly. uh And it seems like he gets taken out of context so often. And they're like, I had so many like right around the time that book came out, he got really like you know, welcome to your liberal college. But there's a lot of people that are like. He gets a yeah, he gets a negative connotation around the name Jordan B. Peterson, Mm -hmm. and it's like you didn't even
1: you don't even know what he's saying. Well, a lot of it has heard from other mm -hmm. another person what they believe about him. That's dishonest media. Yeah, and now it doesn't have to do with Trump, but it has to do with Jordan Peterson, who, you know, in Canada, he's he's considered right wing. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like the man is probably one of the most eclectic people you're going to meet. You know, and but he speaks the truth, and it's important for him. To find the truth. He's okay with being wrong, mm-hmm.
0: and and when he has his conversations, it's him. It's him working through loud. the truth yes. with people. Yeah, and him
1: and Sam Harris, those conversations. I love Sam Harris. They're great. I mm-hmm. love him too. Now, disagree with Sam Harris a lot. You know, a lot of folks that I guess the intellectual dark web, a lot of those guys, I agree with on their fundamental, uh you know, reasonable philosophy. But then, you know, politically speaking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Harris is all about Hillary Clinton, and I'm just like, well. I agree with you on a lot of things. I don't agree that I don't, I don't, I don't believe in I don't agree that you're an atheist either. I kind of, I, I like how Jordan Peterson <laughs> describes it. Cause it's like, you say you're an atheist, but you, and it's just like, you're living like there is a God. Like you're, like your moral foundations are the same as those of the Judeo Christian. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to, you're trying to parse that out, but it's, you, you're, you're hundreds of years down the line from that. I don't believe you could. I don't know for sure, but I'm just like, I don't know, man. Can't
0: we separate those? I mean, like, can't we separate those, it, Those the good, the the wholesome life you can live? Can't you separate that from yeah. having a faith in Christianity or having a faith in what Well,
1: I'm not saying specifically being a Christian. So I'm specifically talking Well,
0: oh, So then what would Sam... I mean, this is getting really kind of way deeper than sure. I can even understand. But like, what would Sam Harrison's religion be then if he's not an atheist what well, if he doesn't believe in a god when well, he believes in like a
1: oneness like or god so so then okay, what, so are buddhists atheists it's hard okay it's so just the idea of god is all things encompassed it's and it's and it's all things encompassed outside of what we know mm-hmm. so the best way i know how to Art, and this is my articulate, my, how I'm coming about it with Sam and all this is, you know, a, in a good, a good kind of essay type book that helps kind of articulate the idea of God is, uh, oh, what is the book called? It's, it's written by, uh, Heish, Robert Heish. It's a God theory. Anyways, um, the only way for this entity that knows all potential and, uh, knows all potential of all things. The only way for the potential to be truly understood, the only way, so uh, to make it more easily understood is, you know, you see a newborn child, that is pure raw potential. You know, you look at that and you see hope. You know, you're like, you know, that's a beautiful thing. I don't know exactly, like you have all the potential in the world, but I don't know exactly, I don't understand exactly what that potential is going to come out to until we, until we experience it. Mm -hmm. And the only way for this single thing, this oneness to understand all of the potential that could possibly ever happen is to divide itself. And through that division, you get all things. And that's kind of where I come from is where Sam is talking about um, his moral framework that moral framework is embedded in the oneness in and of us. Like if you believe in a right, like, so there's two kind of fundamental philosophies, either morality is relative or you, there's good and evil. And the folks who believe morality is relative, that's where you get human atrocities and things like tribalism, exactly. Or it's, it's okay to hurt that person because they disagree Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. I believe that they're wrong, but a person who believes in good and evil, there's a moral uh, scale there that they have to weigh all their decisions on. Now, you can be a Christian, you can be a Buddhist, you can be a Muslim, you can be uh, any other any other faith, a Jew, and your moral framework, now, they all kind of differ, but there is a good and an evil. Mm-hmm. And that's a starting point, my, starting point in my opinion. Sam Harris believes in good so and that evil. So that's what he's saying yeah. is there is good and evil. Precisely, mm-hmm. and that moral framework comes from, I believe, the oneness that we all are a part of. And that we all, going down to the blade of grass. And, you, and, you know, you learn that through, in my opinion, uh, meditation. And meditation doesn't mean just sitting and, and you know, doing breathing. That's a, that's a form of meditation. Prayer right. is a form of Prayer meditation. Prayer is also, absolutely. Studying is a form of meditation. And studying texts written across the, the centuries from our ancestors to kind of get their perspectives and take... Take what you think is the most positive thing, and then go and through the mystical experience, which would be a psychedelic trip, and learn for yourself. Because a lot of this divine inspiration, um, you could—I mean—it gets very complicated. Because if you're a person who is born with androgynous DMT in your body, where you can you produce much more DMT than the average person, and you can reach these psychedelic states just through meditation rather than taking a substance that contains it. So, would that mean a person like a Jesus was chosen because he was, had these biological factors that... I believe so. you can still make that argument, mm-hmm. but on a much more complex level, you see? Right. And um, Bottom line is like, that's kind of, it's just a framework of good and evil that comes from the, the one God. And mm-hmm. Sam Harris kind of prescribes to that but he doesn't. He's not convinced, you know, by evidence that there's God. Sure, but I he's th- also never had the mystical experience either. And so. that's
0: one of the one of the things I really, really enjoyed about reading and learning about Jordan Peterson's theology and what he, the, what it, what he ascribes to, is is he chose Christianity mm-hmm. as the framework, mm-hmm. but he understands that it's not. Precisely. Just Christianity, mm. but this is how he interprets the world. Precisely. And that's and his it's cultural
1: bias, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah,
0: and that cultural biases are okay mm-hmm. as long as they're giving you that positive framework mm-hmm. to approach die to yourself every day, do what you can to be good. Like, that, that was those, those are really profound things from Jordan Peterson. Absolutely. And it, he's so misrepresented. It's yeah. so sad. Well, but, I mean, our generation doesn't want to suffer. Not everybody wants to think like that and to, to die to themselves every day. Well, and to
1: yeah. Well, every day is, you know, you have small things that you suffer through every single day, wh- whether it is, whatever it may be, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you just got to, and this is like. And you can make yourself better every day. Right. Well, yeah, that's a big thing. It's like, if you believe that, if you can really, you know, and that's, a th- you got to believe it. It's mm-hmm. like. And it's you versus you. It's not the man versus you. Yeah, there is these outside entities like the government that are prohibiting me from expanding my farm the way I want to. Mm -hmm. But it's... My, if, if I quit, that's me. That's on yeah, me. It's,
0: and now it's your responsibility to work with the laws of your land that Precisely. you're given and yeah. to suffer from whatever laws of the land you're given.
1: Use your critical thinking skills mm-hmm. and figure it out. And, yeah.
0: Okay, so we got on a really intense kind of uh, spiritual kind of like... I'm, I'm all door over t- the place. I know, dude. It's hard to keep you on, yeah. on one kind Sorry. of topic. No, it's, uh, I love tangents, <laughs> dude. And I knew this was going to happen in our, in our conversation. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about uh your tiny home mm. kind of village sure. and what your I mean when did you decide to try to live in a tiny home? I I I think last time I I spoke to you at the bonfire you were talking about maybe just trying to start like a little tiny home village and well, to own tiny else homes and rent them out by the city. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs>
1: um so yes, uh about 4 years ago I got a piece of property with my family down here and I was not planning on we were planning on renting it out but then we were gonna have to spend a hundred thousand dollars to come to city code, mm-hmm. and uh, we we're like, well, we paid two hundred for the whole property. We're not going to do that. So I reclaimed the the uh, old building that was there. It's like four thousand square feet. And uh, during that process, I was like, well, I don't have anywhere to live, and I can't afford. I can't afford five hundred dollars a month. I couldn't. So I decided to build my own place. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I built my own place and tore that place down at the same time. So it's, talk about, that was probably one of the largest character building moments. Um, But if you were to see me at that time, you'd be like, that guy is out of his mind. (laughs) Uh, Because you're talking about no electricity from June to August. Like, it was tough. And uh, But, you know, I learned a lot because I had people coming by saying, you know, castigating me or just... Yelling at me, like you're doing bad. You're, you're putting out pollution in the air. You're, you're, you're bulldozing old homes. You're disrespectful. All this stuff, and under the sun, and uh, you kind of learn human nature that way too. It's like, regardless of what you do, there's always going to be obstacles in your path, always. And mm-hmm. chances are, like with in that, like what what reclaiming old buildings, that hits a lot of people. Like in their, in their hard spots where they're like, oh, you're just you're killing history. It's like, well, no. Look, if you make everything historic, which is kind of the idea of some of these folks on the historic council, um, you're, where's the innovation? Mm-hmm. You know, you're know, you going to force these people to buy these old materials? You're going to have to buy longleaf pine to fix certain parts of your house? It's like, mm-hmm. that is preposterous. You know the only people who can do that? Rich folks right and so <laughs>
0: what's i mean what is the argument for oh it
1: raises your property value but these people don't understand economics that's called inflation like when people talk about inflation when you have a tax on top of a product that is inflates the price inflation mm-hmm. when you have a government restriction on a home that you can't use certain materials or you have to use certain materials that inflates the costs of what of uh, <laughs> he's going to take her spot uh, that inflates the cost of your operating. So all of that is, goes way be past their heads. It, it flies right by them because they're mm. like, well, it increases everyone's property values. It's like, well, no, you're just artificially doing that because 10 years from now they can vote, hey, we're going to not have this historic anymore. The historic designation comes off and then that artificial value disappears. Right. So that's what's happening across the street from my house, the Lindsay Hill Project developer from pennsylvania bought the the school property wanted to do uh what's that i passed the place on the way up here off lbj that little uh it was a high density right across the street from the bar what's the bar over here you're talking about the treffs one. treffs right to the, so if i'm coming if i'm coming uh, towards you home it's house apartments not the tree house them? but the one on the left so i'm coming towards you
0: Oh, Ella Loft?
1: Ella Loft. So it would be similar to that. Where it, Do they have uh, restaurants and stuff in there?
0: They have a, a coffee, coffee okay, shop. Okay, so, so this would be
1: that idea. Where it would be, there would be parking, living, and then uh, like restaurants and boutiques. And then they wanted to do like a, a hotel in the back, in a small hotel. Now, the hotel was pretty ambitious. Don't get me wrong. I was mm-hmm. like, oh. But anyways... <laughs> What the city has done, and a small group of people in the city have done, is they got together and uh, they want to designate that entire neighborhood historic, where like 75% of the homes there were built within the last 10 years. And it's like, they're they're taking a definition of historic and just perverting it, perverting Mm -hmm. it to something that you could apply to every building in the city of San Marcos. And that's kind of where the tiny home village is at, is we... At first, my, my parents wanted to do a large home with three different apartments in it. And I was like, I don't like that idea. No one's gonna like that idea. Uh, so we're like, okay, what we'll do is we'll submit plans for that just so we have something on the table to show the city that we are rolling on this property. And then we are going to formulate a tiny home village plan. Well, once the city got our permit or got our, uh, got our plan for that building, they won't give us our money back, and they won't approve the permit. We wanted our money back so we could submit a different permit, or excuse me, submit different plans, but that all costs money for architect and everything like that. This isn't a single, like our family didn't just say, hey, we got 200 grand in our pocket, we're gonna buy it. We got investors, like this, mm-hmm. this takes, it takes a village to do this. And the people who are involved are like, we aren't going to invest a dime because this is an extremely volatile situation, we're not going to be able to put anything on this property if it becomes historic. And so what I'm forced to do now is if Lindsay street, uh, project is considered historic, that whole area is historic. I sell the land naked, lose a bunch of money on the property and be done with it. And that's kind of like you're taking something that would be a killer idea. Eight little, eight little pocket homes, Mm -hmm. uh, There'd be two or three of them that were two bedroom, you know, a little bit larger. Mm -hmm. And that center 400 year old oak tree in the middle would be like a, the courtyard area. It would just be fabulous. No. And that, yeah. What a beautiful home. I would love to live in a tiny settlement like that. Dude. And
0: tons of people in the city would love to.
1: Most, I think most people like would rather own something and not something where you go, Hey, I want to, I want to go move here. Great. Cost costs you about 400 to $600 to pick up your house and move it with you. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a big deal at all, you know. Um, and so that's kind of the only way that I think going forward, and that's where the affordable housing thing comes in, is like you have these, you have these places zoned multifamily 12, and that's, that gets into like single family versus multifamily and all that. Um, if you can have multifamily areas, you can have four or five people own the same property. Gunther, come on, Bubba. Uh, you can have four or five people own the same property and that way they can share the burden Mm. and allow them to at least have some ownership over what they have. But then in Texas, what you pay for your land isn't what you're taxed on. So it's just like, that goes in, like when we talk about anything, you have to get down to, okay, I bought this land for $200,000. But then last year, the appraisal district said, well, no, you're, your property value has, dou- or has increased by 100%. So then you have to go, okay, I get to pay taxes on double what I paid for? It's like, yeah. But unless you go, and then I can go and uh, contest that, but I have to go take time. It's like on a Wednesday at 11 p.m. or something, <laughs> or, or 1 p.m., it's like the middle of the day. It's like, okay. It's a big deal, though. But the thing is about that specific racket is it's similar to how senators make a bunch of money off of uh, your interests. These folks at the appraisal district know each other, right? Uh, they sit on this council for a period of time. And a lot of these, a lot of citizens can, you know, apply to be an appraiser at an appraisal district, which is a paid position and everything. But then you, after you're done with that, you know that system. People will pay you a percentage of what they save in their taxes. You have a $200,000 property. You Your taxes go up, say, 50% that's $100,000 in taxes that you're paying extra. If they save you if they save you uh, you know say 40 grand in taxes and they make 5% of 40 grand, mm-hmm. that's a huge amount of money in like 15 minutes and they're going to do that every day all week and it's just like that's ridiculous. All you're doing is acting like a parasite on the system and your justification is we're going to save you d- your tax dollars because some third party valued my property It's like that's not the free market. That's not how it works. But again, like going from, you know, owning a property or believing you own a property, and then saying, "Well, zone this," and wanting to do this, but then the city comes in and throws you a curveball and says, "We're just going to label it historic," and then you're going to have to go through a historic council before you even go to planning and zoning. It's just like, boy, and that historic council meets twelve times a year, once a month. So if you don't, if you go to a meeting and they're like, ah, we'll, we'll table it for now. And then we'll, we'll do it again at another date. You may wait six months. You may wait a year. You never know, you know? And it's just like, so all that, man, drives me crazy. Like it's, it's seriously deep. Like aside from all the existential truths and, you know, the spirituality and stuff like when it Mm -hmm. comes down to it, man, keeping your cool and having restraint and detaching is probably the most important thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. No, I, it's. it's a fantastic idea pocket neighborhoods is something that is the future I think um, because you can you're using less material and you mm-hmm. can use a lot nicer material um, and it'll last a lot longer but when you have uh, municipal governments who clearly overstep their bounds and you have historic councils who go way outside their purview and want to take homes that were built not even ten years ago and say they're historic just for just to appease you know whatever the movement is it's like no, you know that's not mm-hmm. it's not reasonable at all. But anyways, yeah. yeah, that's the pocket neighborhood, man. It's depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you know that's
0: such a good idea, and it's something that really interests me. It interests a lot of people, I'm sure. And it sucks that it's so, dude. It's 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 legally sounds like impossible Even to get in that Austin, going. It's a pain, man. Yeah, and it's yeah, I was looking, I was reading online yesterday about what it what it takes to have tiny like where's the best tiny home villages where you can get a if good it's luck. not if it's not in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. it's it's like you got to you at least have to have plumbing running from yeah. your wherever and mm-hmm. or from the city and yeah man a bunch of legal legal hoops and and good for you for you know <laughs> finding finding it out and dealing with it I mean it it fucking sucks but who does Are you <laughs> I, I kind of we need to wrap this up cuz we've gone going on for like an hour and a half but are are you ever are you ever going to run for council or are you ever going to do that stuff again It
1: really does depend um If I can, do you feel
0: like you can make change? If if like, do do you feel hopeful that there is any change that could be made?
1: I mean, having some economic sense could do a lot of good. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, on frankly, do you have like? You have a city council that is in most cities in the state of Texas. Cities, large cities. Mm -hmm. San Marcos is kind of an exception because it's like a in betweener now. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are very far left councils. Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Austin, Austin specifically. Um, uh, I think Fort Worth as well is one of those. And uh, unless you can get folks who don't vote to vote, you're not going to win. One percent of people in this city vote. I got 25 percent of the vote, but 75. Like most people didn't even know I was running because I didn't have you know 30, Mm -hmm. 40 grand, whatever campaign spent. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, it's like that's still good, but Nobody cares about voting. Nobody takes it upon themselves. Like I said, get up off your ass. It, it is
0: one of the most important things you're going to do all year. Get up
1: off your ass. Even, even when we have a national election, like 40% of the United States votes. Like not even. Or like mm-hmm. 44%. I don't even know what it was. That's and it pathetic.
0: Was, for this midterm election coming up, they said they registered more voters than ever before in Texas. Oh, you can
1: register all the voters you want. Are they going to go vote?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll see, man. Yeah. We'll absolutely see. I think this, this upcoming midterm election is, is so partisan and heated that Dude, people is. are going... It's going to come down to a dozen votes. You know what I'm saying? It's going to come down to...
1: I don't know. Like, So I'll I'll, I'll give you kind of a, 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 a sad reality. So if you were to add up all of the Democratic primary votes together, mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is still going, I think, by about two hundred fifty to 300,000 votes. Mm-hmm. So... I guess like the reality, like yeah, the talk is is like yeah, this is going to be close, da, da, da. but in the reality is is in the numbers of votes that mm-hmm. are won and, and lost because you're talking about just the primaries, you know. Now that the Kavanaugh thing happened and mm-hmm. uh, all of this crazy shit that's going on, Republicans are like are more, more excited. Than I don't ever want I don't want involved. far left. I I don't want to be taken to a court of public opinion. I don't want some person from high school. 30 years down the line, saying that he had tried to rape me, and everyone that I've said that uh, was there, they can't corroborate my story. It's like, look, that's horrible. Whatever happened sounds horrible, but you're bringing this up three and a half decades later, and somehow this guy's high school year my high school yearbook's gonna dictate whether i can lead or i'm a good person
0: well whenever i think whenever it's if you're going to be a supreme court justice for the rest of your life we should maybe take into account all your decisions and actions you've made and the choices again you're not who you were in high school
1: you're not even biologically who you were seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Just the, know, way he,
0: the way I don't. Yeah, I mean that whole Kavanaugh thing is is gonna be. I don't know. Well, if we're, I don't know if we're gonna agree on what, it. But what I think,
1: happened to due process? It's innocent until proven guilty.
0: Yeah, but this wasn't a trial. He was a job interview, and he acted a fool in his interview, man.
1: So you would say if you were to go to a job interview, and all clear and well. Just to get in the job
0: interview here. Let's let's be let's be clear. The job interview isn't for little guys movers. It's Absolutely. for the Supreme Court Justice mm-hmm. of the United States mm-hmm. who's going to be, be making decisions for everyone. Well, they have
1: too much power. Yeah, I mean, but that uh, but, but but that uh,
0: there's nine of them. Right.
1: Well, but the Supreme Court wasn't put in place to create new laws. They're put in place to follow and protect the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And what it's been perverted to is. The left or the right is gonna is gonna load the courts up with their their justices, mm-hmm. and then that way they can implement the laws they want to implement. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, that is not what the founders uh, at all wanted to happen. But that is, I mean, i that, that's what's going on right now, and so that's uh, so why I'm not a big fan of a federal centralized presidential government. I like I like state. Accountability, although mm-hmm. you're, it's hard pressed to find accountability at the state, but it's a lot harder to find accountability in Washington D.C. So I'm just trying to like bring it closer to home, so you can go and strangle those guys in Austin instead of go to D.C. To do that. Mm. Um, but basically, yeah, dude, it's uh.
0: Though aside from the Brett Kavanaugh thing, we we're talking about yeah. how hard it is to get out and vote. Do you think it's
1: it's not hard at all.
0: Well, it, for a lot of people, they're going to have to take off time from their work. For If if they can't make it to early voting somewhere, they're going to have to... Polls are open until 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah, you're right. And then you got to find someone <laughs> to babysit their kids. A lot of times, no, they it's, just bring it's them with them. than... Yeah. I, mean, I it's, heard... You it's know it's what easy I to say hear? all these things. Don't you think it would be better to make... uh, a, w- With all these new technologies, wouldn't it be easier to just have people vote from their phones? Or to vote from... What
1: about all the people that make the fake accounts and then they vote? Uh, Well... How do you protect have, the integrity have, of the election?
0: Thanks to iPhones now, we have fingerprint scanners, we've got face sensors, we've got a lot of different ways to recognize who you are through, your, through just your so phone. So you don't believe in privacy? Uh, I do believe in privacy, mm-hmm. but I think they've got all that information anyway.
1: So just let them have it. Huh? I d- well, I don't think you're private,
0: <laughs> regardless of how you feel about it. I mm-hmm. think they can record and see here, do anything they want sure. to, anytime they, anytime they please.
1: Depending on what they, devices you have who's on you, they? Sure. yeah. The, what, uh, like if you have the Facebook Messenger app, yeah, it's always listening. If you, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what apps you have. But in specific, you we're talking about government, not a private company. You're talking about an entity that, you know, th- that's that's going to impose. Over your life. They're going to impose their will on you. So. Surely,
0: there's, surely there's a way that you can submit your social security number online, your address, everything you would do at a voting poll to make sure you're who you are and then cast your vote.
1: I would say that the way to keep that protected is... To peep it in person, because if you're going to how do this, yeah, I hear you. Can you do it online, like, if how you, is it if fake news and and bot accounts are something that you're worried about?
0: Social security numbers don't. I mean, there aren't fake social security numbers, though. No,
1: but there's stolen social security numbers. Right,
0: but so you could contest, hey, I didn't vote this way, and it, if what if you could see how you voted? You know what I'm saying? Instead of You just—I mean, like there are ways to to make technology work with us here, right? But but it seems like they don't want it to be that way. They want it to make make it harder for us to vote, and that's been a thing forever. To keep
1: the integrity of the election, because what we're—I mean, 2016 was everyone's bitching about you know Russia hacked us this and that. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, if hacking is something you're concerned about, and hacking is something that's actively taking place. Why would you put your faith in something that's just being nothing but hacked? You know, aren't
0: even aren't even poll booths compromised though? Isn't isn't this hasn't oh, this been a thing? Sure, sure. So but I would say paper
1: ballots are the 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 best way to keep that the, the election the, the election integrity is paper ballots in a box. Now, if you don't want to do that, then do it how they have right now. Keep it closed, but it's on a technological. It's an
0: electronic ba- right. ba- ballot. Yes, yeah.
1: but what I've heard is you know certain people can't don't have access to the internet to be able to research certain things like public library. Oh, well, they can't get there. Take the bus system, ride the bike. There's so many different ways to figure out DPS is another town.
0: Those people. Yeah. Those. Lyft,
1: you know? Yeah. So it's just like, I, I get it. It's annoying and it's not something that's fun. I hate doing the government process crap. But at the same time I sit there and I go, yeah, if, if, if hacking is like the United States government sucks at protecting information, are you like they suck at it they're horrible like the amount of leaks that go on you know the dnc was hacked i think the rnc was hacked during the election like everyone was hacked in the mother like mm-hmm. uh, weekly leaks got all that information it's mm-hmm. like and your password was password mm-hmm. come on mm-hmm. you know what i mean so uh i, I would just yeah the election integrity is best kept if you have the person in person now if they don't have their id on them they do. It's called provisional voting, and then afterwards you prove that you're a voter. So right. It's like when people say they're making it tougher to vote, they're trying to keep the integrity of the vote because the vote is really one of the most important things we have in a free society.
0: And and if it is really one of the in a democracy, if it is the most important thing, republic,
1: we should. In a, a, We're not mob ruled. We are a republic. A democratic republic, but a republic.
0: But it's important for the people's voice to be heard in when laws are, or politicians are being elected. It's it's it shouldn't be the monarchy deciding who's going to be our leaders. It should be the people deciding so this is who we want to lead us.
1: You don't like the uh, electoral college, huh?
0: I don't have a lot of uh, like i don't have a I don't have a say in that i think okay a, a, I know a lot of people don't like the electoral college and they don't think it's 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 fair who how many votes we're getting and and how we're trusting a person to vote how we want them to vote instead of them taking. It, what we wanted, you know, like, well, there's certain rules in where, certain states. A, we're putting faith inside another person to vote the way we wanted them to vote.
1: So in certain states, there's certain rules. So like if, if, in I don't know which states are which, but in some states, if, if I win 52% of the vote, I get all the electoral votes, mm-hmm. the electoral college votes. And, or, you know, some places, the electoral college can vote whichever way they want. Uh, but it's based off of the districts in their state. So, why that was put in place is specifically what we saw in 2016, is how re- how insane everything got and how vitriolic. I don't know. I don't know about Texas State campus and how psychopathic kids get over there, but the amount of civil disobedience and utter just like Antifa and all these fucking people. There's it's
0: okay, but Antifa was a problem because we had fascists coming. Around and we had people. We had people parading the streets in,
1: in, Charlottesville? in Charlottesville. Okay, saying, one we instance. We will not be replaced. One instance of a couple guys. I would say, but yeah, Antifa, those are Nazis and those guys were were really really losers. But then you got Antifa in Austin. You got Antifa all over what? the place. When wearing masks, carrying AR-15s no, okay, in public. But, okay, <laughs> where?
0: But when? and where? Because it's protesting
1: seems, Trump, man. But it's just like why. These folks, I don't know if you know anything about the gray shirts, Nazis, Hitler's gray shirts. They did that shit. They would mm-hmm. go to any type of rally that any political opponent of Hitler had, and they would go and disrupt, fuck shit up, mm-hmm. beat them up, fights, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, if you are one to talk about being anti-fascist and you want to censor people's speech, like Ben Shapiro, for Christ's sake you got to mm-hmm. be kidding me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Charlottesville was bad. You're talking about one incident where you have these kids across the entire country wreaking havoc, man. Like Berkeley, come on. Like, that was insane. I have friends out there that live in Berkeley. And I'm like, guys, will you please explain to me what justifies people freaking out about Milo Yiannopoulos? Mm-hmm. Or that's Give me a break. He's just talking. Right. And you know, if and- you don't like what he's saying, then counter it with facts.
0: Or don't give him the time of day, you know what I'm saying? Go home. Don't let that person affect your life. There you go. because that's, that's literally Milo's plan is to be Rile an instigator yeah. and to t- trigger you. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think Milo really believes a lot of what he says.
1: I don't even know. I just sit there and I'm like, dude, most of these people going and speaking on campuses are getting met like, and the, the professors and administration are mostly the cause of you know this, this dogmatic crap that's going on but you can't censor speech don't censor speech mm-hmm. facebook censors speech youtube censors speech you can't do that because that is fascistic that's fascistic like if what i'm saying is wrong don't beat me over the head about it but explain to me if i'm wrong and now if i'm closed-minded and like well that's the thing it's know. because
0: people are living in their they're bows all the time and you get people like Alex Jones who only and Milo who only exist to instigate people and to rile people up. That seemed to be what Trump's like whole campaign was as he traveled across the country, he would People ups- are pissed, He man. would upset everyone. He was like he would make them angry and that's how he got them to go out and vote.
1: Well, people are, people specifically were upset because most counties in the United States are small rural counties like if you look at how many counties trump won versus how many counties hillary won hillary won the major cities fine Mm -hmm. the folks who are farming the folks who are manufacturing the steel oh Mm -hmm. that's not happening a lot here but the folks who are doing the hard work those are the folks who voted for trump in my opinion okay Mm -hmm. um i'm a libertarian minded person but at the same time i'm not going to have someone in there that's going to say oh i'm going to kill this industry completely it's like Mm -hmm and and replace it with what give me a plan because all you're saying is we're going to take all the jobs out of this town that have been here for generations we're a third party that's saying you guys are bad we're making a moral judgment on you wherein you're drone striking families in the middle east get the fuck out of here like i don't i don't need that like someone who wants to sit on a moral pedestal you better practice what you preach or you go you know? Yeah.
0: So. I just, yeah. yeah, It's we're, true. Yeah. We're getting into politics and we can, we can wrap this up and keep the politics off the podcast. Sure. Sure. But, sure. Sure. Uh That, yeah, this all being said, man, I think v- voting could be easier, but I understand, uh, uh, keeping the integrity of
1: the ballot. Okay. Well, that's the biggest concern right now. It's like the, you know, everyone wants to make sure that y- the vote is what it is. And like, I guess they're also the news is, you know, in, making you vote a certain way. It's like, Make sure it's truthful, you know, make sure it's factual, and, if, and make, let them think for themselves, you know. But, uh, honestly, when people say, like, there's voter suppression and things like that.
0: Well, there's always been voter suppression. Don't get me wrong. Like, whenever African Americans first got the right to vote, they, with the 14th Amendment, or mm-hmm. it was the 15th Amendment that they got the right to vote, uh, 1869. The, the I mean, Democrats. Okay. Yes, Democrats in the South. That that whole thing changed. Democrats everywhere,
1: everywhere. Right.
0: So they so they made the rule that you have to allow black people to vote, but they didn't. They uh, they left states they could um, apply any kind of. Uh, equal kind of yeah. voting mm-hmm. act to, to everybody in their state. So they applied literacy tests, poll taxes, mm-hmm. things that made it harder for African Americans yes. to get to the polls Absolutely. Then they and did.
1: Th- then they did 100%. Now that doesn't exist. It,
0: it doesn't exist in the way that it did, but I think they still don't want it to be easy for us to vote.
1: Well, I say in terms of being easy, keeping the integrity of the election. Now, what what is an obstacle in the way of anybody from voting right now other than having a ten dollar state issued id what is in the pathway
0: having a job that you can't request time off to go and vote having children that you can't afford to have a babysitter you, you mentioned bringing them with you mm-hmm. to the polls
1: see that a lot yeah I strollers hear babies and strollers i hear you man everyone's very nice at the polls yeah <laughs> so
0: <laughs> i just you know i just i just wonder why it can't be easier and 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 if it and in to, to me, uh, an election that is that has integrity is taking everyone's voice into consideration, not just the people who are free to go who vote. Who give
1: the initiative to go and vote?
0: One percent. Y- the initiative is is so true. Are but you telling me that nine? 99- you complained about how hard it, how it's hard to get people to go out and vote. Right. Because people are lazy. It is hard to get people to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. Do, wouldn't you want more people to vote in the city council election? Right? Absolutely. And and if. If you could have done it online or if there was a way for people to submit their, their vote, their ID, you're, you're, their everything.
1: You're treading in very unknown waters because we, have very, we already know we have poor security over our systems.
0: Okay, but I'm saying there, there, there can be transparency here. It's not just like, hey, I cast my vote. It's done. Sure. You can cast your vote. See, hey, this is what I voted for. Let's make sure.
1: I would like people to... Okay,
0: And then after the election, you can see, hey, this is still what I voted for. Let me make sure that nothing changed. I think there are ways to do it. I can
1: sympathize with that in terms of like, I want to make sure when I hit this button, that's where my vote goes. And I can even go back and check and that's my vote. Mm -hmm. um, But again, it's just like. 99% 99% of people in San Marcos are being voter suppressed. It's like, no. I honestly. It's not that they're lazy. You're right. It's not that they're being. They're concerned. entitled. It's well, like, and, this needs to be easier for me. It's and, like.
0: Well, and they don't see the importance of getting out and voting in a city council election like that. You or know what I'm any saying? election.
1: Until you, re, until you actively participate in society mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm a member of society, I pay taxes, you know, you've got you've to gotta think of yourself as a part of the tribe. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the. Less than 50% of people vote in a presidential election. They don't. They could give a shit, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. Well, in this
0: last election, uh, of course, people could give a shit because it was like you got shithead number one and shithead number two for yeah, president. Absolutely.
1: Like, well, that's well, the fuck. thing. It's how it's always been, though. I mean, you have. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter. There's always been. We our desks done nothing but go up. Like there's not been one president sitting there and going, "All right, we're gonna solve this debt problem." It's like no. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the dot-com boom in the 90s. Great, but that was a private in private sector explosion that allowed us to have a surplus for like two or three years, which was great. But, but it then, didn't fix the debt. Well, what happened is the dot com crash happened in like 2000, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that bubble burst, and then we had the housing bubble burst shortly after that. Um, but yeah, man, it's if you want people to go vote, I think a like nothing's easy, nothing comes easy, so mm-hmm. it's important to sit there and go be an adult. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, you just got to... It,
0: it is the most important it's thing to do It's a mantle of responsibility. All year. And, if yeah. you, and if you recognize that it's important, yes, yeah. you'll do whatever it takes to get out and vote. Yeah.
1: Well, and don't let it consume you because it, that's the thing is a lot of folks, it consumes their entire life. They'll go to all the rallies and they'll, you know, that's, I'm part of this person's campaign and mm-hmm. I, that's how I get paid. And that's your whole... You don't have to do that. I think it's Montana or, uh, Montana or Wyoming, one of those two states. The governor's a full-time farmer. Like, mm-hmm. yes, please. Mm-hmm. You're, being a politician is public service. So, you, A, I don't believe you should get paid at all. I believe that's a public service. You're volunteering mm-hmm. to take that sacrifice. If your health care is covered, for, okay, it's fine. But I'm not going to pay you a salary on top of all this other crap. Mm-hmm. You have a job. You have an income. Or you get people, your constituency to, to, to donate to. Mm-hmm. But like our, our city council folks get paid 1500 bucks a month for what for what my, my mom's a city councilman in richardson she gets paid 400 bucks a month but they meet four times a month they meet twice a month here and somehow it's there's so much going on it's right. so hard it's like you guys sound so entitled and that's a, what kind of the fundamental issue is like it's not easy it's public service mm-hmm. you know you've got to make sacrifices to make a better world that's not happening mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like sacrifice comforts now for comforts later, you mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of if I want my kid to have nice things that I see these other kids have that I'm pissed about. It's like, oh, your parents gave you all this crap; you haven't earned anything. It's like I want my kid to have that stuff, but I, I want to teach him, you know, be right, righteous person. But I want him to have everything under the sun, or her. I want my children to be set. Um, but again, I, I mean depends on what your view on children is as well. <laughs> so, but anyways. Joshua Simpson, city council. <laughs> long time. Long, long. It'll, but yeah, be, it'll
0: be a while, fire. dude. And it's important to get out and vote. It's, Please. It's Seriously. important to think critically about politics and government and not just let them run your life.
1: Be an individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk to people who are out there experiencing what government regulation is doing and, mm-hmm. and how they're making it harder. And uh, take responsibility for your life.
1: Seriously. 12 Rules for Life. Go pick it up.
0: Yeah, that's a great book. A little (laughs) plug for Jordan Peterson here at the (laughs) end.
1: Or Maps of Meaning. I read that too. That was a good one. Damn, he's well read, too. A lot longer. He's well read, folks. (laughs) Josh, thank you for being here, man. Absolutely. Thanks, partner.